Hello and welcome to the I Do Consent podcast with me, your host, Jen Wilson, also known as Irregular Jen. Season 2 is here with the Consent Compass launching on the International Day of Consent, 30th of November, 2023, continuing this work to platform consent as a practice and a tool for making positive changes from the personal to the global. Thanks for listening in. Welcome to I Do Consent, uh, this recording happening in November 2021. Today, I'm in conversation with Gronya Carr. Gronya is a coach, facilitator and trainer with decades of professional experience in each of these areas. And she's co-creator of Consent Matters Ireland, an organisation whose vision is to make society safer through consent education, bringing awareness to the dynamics and pleasure contained within consensual and boundaried relating. Gronya's passion is supporting people in developing the life skills necessary to create and maintain healthy and fulfilling relationships with themselves and with others, including intimate, familial, peer and professional relationships. Welcome, Gronya. Um, Thanks, Jay. Hi. Um, so... I, I, we first started talking uh, around the International Day of Consent 2020 um, around um, consent and young people that we were talking about then. But one of the things that you said that was I found really inspiring and um, was you were one of the first people that really made me kind of think about think about it hard was about embodied consent, how it feels when we're in or out of consent. So I'm wondering if we can start off with you talking a bit about about that. Sure. Yeah. Uh, thanks, Jenny. Yeah. So embodied consent is really, I suppose, uh, acknowledging the, the idea that it's not just a case of us understanding logically in our brains, whether we're in or out of consent that very often our body and always really our body plays a part in deciding whether we happen to be a absolutely hell yes, I'm delighted with what's happening here or whether or not we're a very resistant no or, or a vaguely begrudging no. Um, and the use, I think, in kind of becoming more aware of that is that we can then pick up on the signals that aren't necessarily coming from our, our thought processes, but also the signals that are contained in our bodies around where our, our absolutely hell yes is and where our absolutely hell no is. And so, for example, if I was to 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 meet you out and we were both in a situation where, uh, you know, I had a streaming cold or potentially COVID or something to that effect. And I like sort of lunge at you to kind of give you a hug. You know, your 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 radar, your your alert signals are not just going to be what you what's going on in your brain, but it's likely that you're going to recoil. Your whole body is going to move away. So it'll be that that sort of introduction to that fight or flight syndrome, even basically that idea of having a sense of, you know, where am I in this? Am I happy or am I not happy? And how is my body showing up? Am I getting tense? 
Am I getting, uh, you know, feeling like I'm worked up? Can I make eye contact with somebody or not? Am I even able to speak? Am I like a rabbit caught in the headlights? So how how is my body showing up in the whole process of whether or not I can say yes or no uh, and be in a consensual situation with somebody? Uh, yeah, that that makes a lot of sense around the the particularly I think around the uh, the fries headings of freely given and perhaps also engaged enthusiastic though that sort of area between yep I absolutely am enthusiastically concerning definitely want to do this and that I absolutely really don't want to do this it's all of those sort of muddy bits in the area of do I want to do this yeah I not want to do this I'm not sure my head says I probably should do this because maybe there's a Uh, a dynamic between us where somebody's got power over another person or you know or it's awkward to to say no to something those kinds of things um but it it can be really hard to um to to get out of what's going on in your head and to trust those kind of what those gut instincts i suppose isn't it it is it is so so you're right there's a whole spectrum base basically from an absolute no to an absolute yes and in that muddy bit in the middle it's that where am i on the willing to versus wanting to scale you know i'm barely willing to versus i really want to is sort of that muddy edge of consent sometimes Mm -hmm. and of course in a lot of those situations it could be something like you know, I don't really want to have to get up with the kids to go to to take them to school today, but I kind of have to. Or I don't really want to do a drop off, you know, at nine o'clock at night to a mate's house, but I I'm going to. And and it is that thing of where and again, bringing it back to that embodied feeling where where is that resistance also felt in the body? You know, do we feel that we're sort of tightening up or we got, you know, that knot, that tension knot in our shoulder? Where's that coming from? Is that coming from a place where we're agreeing to something, we're allowing something, maybe even we're enduring something mm-hmm. um, on the basis that we feel we should. And again, you know, it's it's like that that great book, you know, The Body Keeps the Score by Bessel van der Kolk. It's that idea of we store that that tension within our body very, very often. And it's it's about that idea of having the practice of checking in with ourselves in a fully embodied way as to whether or not we're in consent or not yeah yeah yeah, that's great I mean when I'm talking about the difference sometimes between enthusiastic consent and engaged consent I end up um, giving an example of I'm I'm not enthusiastic about going to the dentist it very much is the endurance you just described you know I'm like but it's not it's not a should or a must or a have to it's a I will it's yes. absolutely affirmative. Yes, I will do that. I don't want to do that. I'm not excited about doing that. I'm not yes. enthusiastic at all. I will do that because I don't want my teeth to fall out. I don't want the toothache. I don't want the whatever else, you know, yes. negative outcome. So, yeah, yeah it's really interesting. Um, it is. It is. And we fall into that sort of that 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 muddy edge of 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 consent quite a bit really um that that whole thing of of agreeing to something for somebody else because you love them or you you're taking care of them in some way 
Um, but it's the catching it and it's the noticing it that's important and to find ways uh, and alternate ways of sort of soothing oneself into an acceptance of it without feeling that whatever boundaries you have are being completely sort of walked over each and every time you have connection with that individual. Mm. So so there's an there has to be an acknowledgement of that, certainly, I think, within ourselves. Yes, yes of course. Yeah. So I, I know that you've been doing some interesting recent work around around some of those things with women's groups. Yeah, generally, but I think this is this this relates to everybody really, and that we we are all we are all I suppose pre-programmed um, or programmed from an early age, you know, to to be the good kid, aren't we? You know, the the kid who always who always complies and always says yes and always you know gets to school on time and always wears the uniform and always does the homework and always studies for the exams and and so we're we're programmed from an early age to to do what we're told. And to sort of unpick that and unpeel that in adulthood can take some amount of work, really, particularly if we kind of identify with being that good, honest, decent, compliant kind of a human. And so what I'm finding in of late, I'm particularly doing online workshop series with people, which ultimately end up nearly being kind of coaching workshops, where I'm working with groups of people who who are finding it so difficult to find their no they're finding it so difficult to even notice or to value or to trust or to communicate that they do have a boundary in in a particular situation. And and again, sort of valuing the fact that that's allowed uh, and that they're giving themselves permission to have a boundary. And then the whole challenge of, oh, my gosh, I have to communicate this boundary now. And of course, the challenge around communicating boundaries with people that never realized that you either had them or were entitled to them before. And I'm thinking particularly maybe with a best mate or maybe with a family member or even with a co-worker or with um, or with your boss. You know, the boss who says, I need you to to work an extra shift or I need you to come in tomorrow because I'm short staffed because I'm not paying anyone well enough. So, I'm, you know, people are leaving, which I think is something that's a, a new phenomenon. People leaving leaving jobs where they're just not feeling valued. Um, and other co- workers then kind of feeling like, oh, you know, I'm being expected to pick up the slack when I can't really do that. So it's that how do we find our voice and and first of all, notice that it's OK to have a boundary and then finding uh, a strength and a confidence in being able to express that boundary you know, in a confident, calm way um, and really enjoying the people that I'm working with and seeing them sort of noticing that that sense of, wow, I, I, I can set a boundary and I'm giving myself permission to do that is really, it's sort of learning a life skill we should have had from an early age, really, isn't it? Oh, yeah, for sure. And I, I know that that absolutely, as you say, applies to people of all genders. Mm. Uh, but I also find in, when I'm working on consent workshops that particularly people who are socialised as women and girls, we're even more socialised to placate and please and be sure. nice. Um, whereas often people who, who are socialised as, as boys and men are kind of encouraged to stand up for themselves and resist a bit more if that's what they want to do and to be a bit more assertive you know all the toxic ideas of what being a man means you know those those terrible gender binaries yeah which which impacts which impacts negatively on all genders not just on on either female or male i suppose really and and one of the things i i touch on in my workshops very often is how do we get to this point and of course there's a whole 
set of philosophies and practices that that have brought us to this, including things like the patriarchy as a whole, that whole idea of patriarchal societies, religion, um, you know, media, marketing, um, all of these things have contrived to put us all in boxes in terms of how we're expected to show up in the world mm. and and the and the rules and restrictions that 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 we are supposed to to comply with and um, not doing any of us any favors in any of it but ultimately it leaves us being adults uh, who very often find it hard either to give a no and or receive a no, which is, of course, the other whole challenge around consent. The whole bunch of people who think, well, if I don't actually ask, if I just take without asking, well, then I'm not going to be rejected, which is another huge part of the work that I do as well. That whole idea of acknowledging that being able to reject and being able to receive rejection are both two fundamentally important life skills that we need to attach onto that whole that whole spectrum of skills that we need in relation to being able to be consensually confident. Yes, absolutely. I think that um, I always have, um, there's a line in one of my shows, which is um, being able to say and hear a no makes a yes way more yessy. <laughs> yeah, it does. Yeah, maybe more yesy. I love it. I love it. Yeah. yeah. So there's a scene. I don't know. If, I don't know if you know the film. Do you know the film Thelma and Louise? It's quite. Of course, of course. Yeah. Well, for anyone who doesn't know, I'll describe. It. There's, there's Thelma and Louise are on the run, um, partly because um, Thelma has been assaulted by a guy. Um, very violently sexually assaulted by a guy they're on the run because because they've shot this guy um and they pick up a hitchhiker which is actually a young brad pitt um and <laughs> and thelma and the, and the brad pitt character i can't remember his name um end up in a motel room together kind of like really kind of into each other and they're about to sort of have this hot sexy scene and she goes, no, 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 no. Wait a minute. And he backs off completely, doesn't for, doesn't push it at all. And bec- and then she goes, yeah, let's do it, kind of thing. And then they then then they kind of like have this great sexy scene, and and that illustrates that no makes a yes more yesy. It's that knowing that you can say it, knowing that it will be heard, knowing that you can hear it, and that other person is inside consent you yeah. both really inside consent yeah. then you can really have fun together absolutely and, yeah. and there's the whole thing too that if you can't trust somebody's no you can't you know somebody has the capacity to have a no and to say no you can't really trust their yes either mm. and i think that that happens a lot in not just in sexy situations but within familial contexts as well you know are you saying yes to things but the person just knows that you're not fully a yes. You're saying it because you feel you have to or you should. Mm. And then how can they trust that your yes is ever a full, wholehearted yes? If if what they're getting sometimes is a watery or lukewarm yes from you, you know. So, so yeah, it, it's important to have that distinction of do you really know and own your no? Because if you're if you can prove that to people, they can trust that you know where your yes is as well. Yeah. Mm, yeah, um, yeah, absolutely that. You know, in kind of I'm thinking of lots of examples in domestic situations where 
people people build up little resentments, don't they, about, oh, well, I'll do it because nobody else is going to. Or, For sure. <laughs> or For sure. well, you asked me to do it, so all right, then I will. But yes. you, it's, uh, you're actually, you know, you're, it's like you'd be accusing that person of coercing you into something when actually it's just you not holding your boundary and saying, oh, actually, I'm not OK with this. For sure, for sure. Uh, you know what? The, the 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 model really that has informed most of my consent work. I I have been doing lots of looking and seeking about what's out there uh, in relation to consent teaching and training for several years now. But the model that's really started all this is, of course, the amazing work of Dr. Betty Martin and uh, her amazing book, The Art of Giving and Receiving. And um, she is has just been, you know, fundamental to my learning around consent. And and there's a whole piece within the, the learning around the wheel about that shadow of of giving and receiving um, and how the wheel breaks that down. Um, and and that that area of that sometimes we're kind of going, we're sort of, you know, barely willing to or we're not really willing to at all, but we feel we must or we should and the resentments, and that's where the resentments build up, where we're kind of feeling we're always in service to other people and we don't necessarily want to be. And we're not necessarily giving the best version of ourselves because we feel that we're we're caught in a situation where we actually don't want to be in service at that moment. You know, yeah, mm, absolutely. Yeah. So that that kind of work around our boundaries and being inside and outside of consent and communicating our boundaries. I know that's where you're doing a lot of work at the moment, aren't you? Yeah, yeah. It, it's that idea of, of of finding where your no is, finding where your edge is, you know. Um, we talk about this this wonderful story of, you know, you know, if kids are out in a playground and the playground happens to have, you know, walls or fencing around it, they'll play right to the edges of that because they know that that within that is where safety lies. Mm-hmm. And that happens to us in all of our relationships. It's like that that I, that wonderful scene that you're talking about, you know, with Gina and and Brad and 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 the fact that she knew that she was able to express her no and he was right there honoring it meant that okay, well maybe I can push my boundaries a little bit more in this context because I know he's the kind of honorable dude who's going to if I come up with a no, he's gonna stop and he's gonna wait and he's gonna give me the space that I need to find where my yes lies. Mm. So it's in that sort of uh intimate relationship that one can find that your boundaries might keep expanding because you know that if you suddenly come up against the edge of your boundary yourself and you say, Oh, hang on, let's pull back a bit on this. Let's let's slow down a little bit. Let's do something different. If you know that the person's prepared to honor your no, well, then you got you kind of go, well, maybe I'll try that for a minute and a half and see if I like it. Or maybe I'll try it for 10 seconds or, oh, yeah, well, maybe actually I like it a little bit longer. Let's try this for five minutes or 10 minutes or, yeah, this is my new favorite thing. Let's keep going, you know. But it's that of knowing that if your your no is respected, it gives you much more uh, permission to maybe come up against it where your no might lie, you know, and that's in all of your relationships. Yeah, yeah for sure. I wonder if I'm putting you on the spot here, um, if if because I think I I know that I used to much more than I do now get a bit muddled up between what I mean when I say boundaries and what I mean when I say things like rules or agreements or those kinds of things. Hmm. So how would you be defining someone's boundaries and like cause, because you just said like a boundary can grow or move and that. Sure. 
I think a lot of times when we're talking about consent, people think of consent as being a very firm line in the sand that you cannot cross and it's a, an absolutely clear place. Yes. Um, but what you're describing is quite a shifting sort of place. So just wondering if you can kind of define what you mean by boundaries for us. Sure, sure. And I think there's there's a nice distinction there between that idea of boundaries and agreements as well. So so for me, like the, a boundary really is is the place at which I I am. I know where my no is. You know, and that is dependent on on the context. It, it changes for each individual, and it changes potentially on a moment by moment basis. You know, I, I I might be perfectly fine with receiving a full body hug from somebody two years ago. Now, a I'm not so sure. You know, how well how healthy are you feeling, and are you vaccinated, for example? You know, so there's all of these questions that that are exist right now that maybe wouldn't have existed, you know, a couple of years ago. And that's just one example of how context can change everything when it comes to people's boundaries. Mm-hmm. Um, and and the boundary really is a is a cho- is my choice. I get to choose my boundaries. Nobody can tell me what they are or they're not, or what they should or they shouldn't be, because ultimately I have to feel safe and secure, and I have to be the one to to call the shots, really. Mm-hmm. And and you might have a much more easygoing, relaxed, um, maybe watery boundary kind of. Oh yeah, maybe happy to do a bit of this, maybe happy to do a bit of that. Let's see how it goes. I'm not so specific, whereas I might be somebody who said, no, 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 I need this to be really specific. I need this to be really clean and clear for me to feel safe. I need to know what, how, how long this is going to take. I need to know the time. I need to know the context. I need to know where, all of those things. So I get to choose my boundaries. When it comes to agreements, my boundaries might inform that, but the agreements are agreements that you and I make together. Mm. So, so my boundaries are most assuredly referred to and and used within the agreement that we reach, um, and it might be a case that again you might have much more flexible boundaries that I have, but because mine are maybe a little bit more rigid in that moment or specific in that moment, it's kind of the 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 safest common denominator wins or the safest denominator wins. In other words. If I don't want to do something just because you might want to do something, it means we're not doing something because my boundary wins, you know, in this instance. So so the agreements are definitely informed by boundaries, but my boundaries are mine and I get to choose what those that those are in every relationship. Yeah. Does that does that answer that? I think it does. I think it's uh, I think it's one of those questions that it's good to grapple with from lots of different angles. Of course. I think you're absolutely right. You know, agreements and rules and those kinds of things are things that we make together Uh, and boundaries. Yes, our own. Um, Mm. Absolutely. That's that's definitely (laughs) clear. I think it it makes me reflect on another exercise that I sometimes use when I'm um, training on consent, which is the pizza exercise of what do you want on your pizza? What will you have on your pizza? And what you won't have on your pizza, and you each make a list of your wants, wills, and won'ts. And if it's on anybody's won't, it's not going on the pizza because that's behind the boundaries. Uh, my won't list is my won't list. Yours, sure. yours. Sure. Uh, you know, I'm not having meat on my pizza because I'm yeah. a vegetarian. You know that kind yeah. of stuff. Yeah. Um, but then you've got weird stuff like. I don't know. You might not have tried olives, and you might be up for trying olives. <laughs> Um, but you might have a taste of olive and go, actually, I really don't like those. They're not for me. 
you know. Absolutely. Um, pizza, of course, is the great divider of, um, sorry, uh, pineapple, sorry. Yes. The great divider is a pizza ingredient. Some people think it's extremely strange and weird to suggest you have pineapple on your pizza. Sure. But we're not yucking anybody else's yum, you know. Yes. If it's my favourite pizza topping, that's up to me. But if it's on your won't list, fine. Exactly, exactly. So, so one of the yeah, so one of the stories that I I use in my trainings is very often around that that idea of olives, and I ask you know for a show of hand who likes olives and who doesn't like olives, and I can't stand olives, so they they definitely ain't going on my pizza. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and you know, uh, but I, it's how I start talking about rejection with people. You know, is it the olives' fault that I don't like it? No, it's not the olives' fault. You know, somebody else might be all about the olives and love the olive, but it's just not my thing. So yeah. you know, so again, it's that idea of we can't enforce or force our views, our our needs, or our desires, our wants on other people. We have to accept where their where their boundaries are and where their no is. Um, absolutely, yeah. Great. Well, thank you, Gronje. That's been uh, a really interesting, uh, just little introduction to some of the amazing work you do. And I'll put your uh, consent matters and your own website addresses in the links to this podcast so people can look you up and and find out a bit more about the coaching and the Mm -hmm. training and facilitating that you do um, via those. Um, But before we close this podcast um i'm asking everyone uh in the in the run-up to the international day of consent what would your one message be for the international day of consent when it, it fairly succinctly in just a sentence or two if you can sure sure uh, i guess the thing is that from my perspective is that consent is a practice that it's something we have to revisit really pretty much daily checking in with ourselves Am I in consent? Am I a yes? Where is my yes at this moment? Or am I agreeing? Am I enduring? Am I over allowing? And and I think I suppose the added on piece to this is uh, for me, I think it's really important that we have that as adults that we model consent in in all of the relationships that we have with children and or with other adults that we're showing other people how we um i so i suppose are building our own consent confidence and modeling that for for the for the kids and young people that are around us as well so it's a practice and it's something to model to show other people how to do consent as well absolutely it's transformative it's how we change the world it is it is it is it is absolutely jenny yeah Oh, great. Uh, Well, thanks again, Gronja Carr, and uh, we'll close the podcast there. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the I Do Consent podcast. Please like, share, and bring your comments or questions about anything that you've heard on the podcast to me, Jen Wilson, on social media as Irregular Jen, or find me on the web at irregular.org.uk forward slash I do consent. You can sign up for the mailing list and find out more about the frameworks, training, support and other things available for practicing consent and to support the International Day of Consent. Please also visit idoconsent.org. And remember, keep it curious, kind and consensual. <laughs>